regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I am glad you've joined the program today. Uh, Nikki Gozer going to join us here in a couple minutes, the executive director of the Crime Prevention Research Center. We're going to give you an update on uh, something we talked to Nikki about. I guess it's been a couple of months now. You know, if you know Nicole's story, uh, you know that her beloved husband, Ben, was murdered by uh, a guy who was stalking Nikki. This guy was sentenced to uh, more than 20 years in prison. But the state of Tennessee has apparently given him good time credit behind bars, even though this guy has been writing Nikki Gozer, continuing to try to stalk her from behind bars. We've got an update in that case. But uh, Nikki, also in Washington, D.C., recently uh, testifying in opposition uh, to the idea of red flag laws. We know that uh, President Joe Biden wants to incentivize states to adopt red flag gun seizure laws uh, through the use of Department of Justice grants. So we're going to talk with Nikki about that. Speaking, by the way, of the uh, Biden anti-gun agenda and really the Democrats anti-gun agenda. You know, uh, if you watched yesterday's program, you heard about the existential threat posed to the firearms industry by a bill in uh, New York state. And that is just one of many threats that gun owners are facing right now. Thankfully, if you're watching this program, clearly you already care about the right to keep and bear arms. And I'm grateful for that. But we need more than just awareness of these threats. We need action to defend our right to keep and bear arms. And the Second Amendment Foundation is taking that action really every single day, whether it is uh, pursuing litigation against anti-gun lawsuits, uh, mobilizing gun owners to uh, voice their opposition to gun control bills. And you can be a part of this effort. All you have to do is text JOIN SAF to 474747. And you can become a Second Amendment first responder, part of that grassroots army of gun owners across the country who are standing up to defend the right to keep and bear arms. Again, all you have to do, text JOIN SAF to 474747 and join the fight to keep our firearm freedoms today. All right. Uh, now, as I mentioned at the uh, beginning of the program here, uh, Nikki Gozer in Washington, D.C. not long ago, talking about the uh, red flag laws that are in place in about 19 states across the country. Uh, and, you know, Justice Sam Alito even mentioned uh, red flag laws in the uh, decision, uh, the 9 nothing decision that uh, was announced on Monday in uh, Coniglia versus Strom, in which the Supreme Court said no. Police cannot just go into a home and seize your firearms absent a warrant uh, because they think, well, you might pose a threat to yourself or uh, to others. That's good. But as uh, Sam Alito said, this case also brings into question uh, red flag laws that that are in place around the country. It was not addressed in this particular Supreme Court case, but this is an idea that gun control advocates have, have really gotten behind. And sadly, a lot of Democrats have, too. Uh, and in my opinion, these red flag laws... They are, I think, well-intended in, in, by, by some politicians. I think a lot of anti-gun activists, frankly, uh, don't have good intentions when it comes to these red flag laws. But I can understand the argument from some politicians. That, well, look, you know, uh, this is a, a less intrusive way of uh, dealing with a, uh, a dangerous individual 
rather than involuntarily committing them, rather than stripping them of their right to keep and bear arms forevermore by declaring them to be mentally defective. Uh, this provides a, a temporary solution for somebody who's in crisis, right? We take their guns and then, you know, six months or a year later, uh, they can apply to have their firearms returned to them. Or if the order expires, they can have their guns returned to them. I, I understand that argument. The problem I have with that argument is that it makes it clear that this is a gun issue as opposed to a dangerous person issue. Because if we're really talking about somebody who's a danger to themselves or others, then why on earth would we simply take their guns away and leave them alone in their home, out on the street, with access to knives, pills, ropes, car keys, gasoline, matches, anything else they might use to harm themselves or another person? That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to Nikki either, although she also had an objection to red flag laws that I had not really considered before. I heard her testimony on uh, Capitol Hill. That's where we begin our conversation with Nicole Gozer, the executive director of the Crime Prevention Research Center. Take a look and a listen. Hey, Nikki, thanks so much for coming on the program today. Hey, Tam, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, and listen, I, I know I speak on behalf of our audience uh, when I say thank you for all of your continued Second Amendment activism, uh, including your recent testimony in Washington, D.C., uh, regarding red flag laws, uh, which I thought was absolutely spectacular. Um, hey, 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 can I ask, how, how did you get invited to uh, to give your testimony there on Capitol Hill? We actually gone as a group with the, the D.C. project mm -hmm. to um, speak to the second Congressional Second Amendment Caucus and some uh, key Senate staffers. And I suppose they liked what they heard and um, word got back to Senator Ted Cruz and they invited me to uh, come speak before the uh, committee. Well, I'm glad that he did and I'm glad that you accepted that uh, invite because I know that this is, you know, it's not talked about much, but this is part of Biden's uh, agenda here. He wants to incentivize states to adopt these types of policies. He wants to give Department of Justice grants to states that, that do so. Um, and as you point out, you know, there are some real issues here. I mean, we talk a lot about the, the due process protections or the lack thereof uh, with these red flag laws. But but what was the what was the focus of your testimony? What, what was your objection to the red flag law? Well, number one, I think it's unconstitutional. But I explained, you know, why? <laughs> why are we doing this? with red flag laws when we already have existing laws on the books all across the nation. Um, there's, there's a law it's called the, the Baker Act. It's mostly known in Florida, mm -hmm. but all states have similar laws to the Baker Act. It's basically an involuntary uh, commitment uh, type law. And every state has it. And basically, you know, if you truly believe that someone is a danger to themselves or others, then you can use these existing laws. Um, and they have protections built in. Um, there's due process. And what happens is the person in question is put on a 72-hour hold. It varies in different states. But during that time, a mental health expert is involved in evaluating that person. And then evidence, including testimony from the mental health expert, is presented to a judge. And that person gets due process. That person has an opportunity to explain what's really going on, 
if the person making the complaint is lying, you know, and, and the judge can, can make a decision based on all of that. Um, but, you know, if you can't afford an attorney, one is provided for you under these types of laws that already exist. And the judge has a whole, you know, gamut of options to choose from. You know, the judge can say, look, you're actually not dangerous at all. Someone was lying about you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what, you need some outpatient treatment. Or, yeah, you're dangerous. You probably shouldn't have guns, so we're going to take those away from you. And you're going to be involuntarily committed. There's a whole range of options. And this already exists. Yeah. And it has these protections built in. So why are we, why are they trying to expand red flag laws? We should be getting rid of red flag laws. Listen, I, I'm with you. I think the reason why they're trying to expand red flag laws, honestly, I, I think um, for some politicians, they see this as, well, look, this is not as uh, a, a, a permanent solution as an involuntarily, uh, an involuntary commitment where you lose your uh, second member rights forever, right? Where we're going to take them away from you temporarily, but you could get them back. But I honestly, Dickie, for a lot of people, I think this is a lot of politicians. This is an easy way for them to say, look, we've done something to address mental health without actually addressing the real problem that that we don't have enough inpatient beds in in most states around the country. We don't have enough mental health options for those who truly are in crisis, but that costs money. You know, that that's an expensive solution. You got to you got to build those facilities, you got to hire the staff. It's 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 cheaper to say, well, let's just take some of those guns away and then we'll consider the problem solved. But but you highlight a couple of things that I think are really, really important, including the fact that and I don't think a lot of people understand this. As you say, if you are uh, taken into custody under a civil commitment law, you do have access to a court appointed attorney that, 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 that is going to be an option for you under a red flag law in every state that I'm aware of. You're on your own. If you can't afford an attorney, one is not going to be appointed for you. And yet you're going to be going up against the district attorney's office or the you know county attorney or whoever that 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 law enforcement uh, agency is. It's got to be the state versus you and you're on your own. Yeah, and I don't have ten thousand dollars. Right. Savings account. I don't know of anyone. I don't have any friends that have ten thousand dollars sitting in their savings account just to use, you know, for legal defense in case somebody were to flag them for some reason. I mean, it can be very expensive. Absolutely, it can be. And again, you know, the sad thing is that first hearing, that emergency hearing, not only do you not have uh, a court appointed attorney, even if you could afford an attorney, they probably wouldn't be there and you're not going to be there either. Right. These are the petitioners presenting one side of the story to a judge and then the judge making the determination whether or not to take those guns based on hearing only one side of the story. You get your day in court a couple of weeks later at best. Right. Yeah. Due process does not come first. It comes last. Um, and that's not due process. Are you concerned um, at all about the uh, the possibility that judges will just sort of rubber stamp these petitions like better safe than sorry? You know, nothing's going to come back on me as a judge if I approve this red flag order and the guns are taken. But if I don't approve it and this person, you know, goes on to commit another crime, 
well, then I'm going to get blamed. People are going to ask me, well, why didn't you sign that red flag order? It always seems to me like judges are incentivized to say yes to these things, regardless of what the facts may show. Yeah, I'm I'm very concerned about that. Let me tell you something else. And I gave this as an example in my testimony. You know, the days, months and years that followed um, my husband's murder, um, of course, I think everybody that listens to you knows that my husband was murdered in front of me by a man who was stalking me. And that time in my life I, was horrible. Yeah, I had depression. Yes, I dealt with nightmares, grief, trauma, loss, concern for my safety. These were all things that I dealt with and I had to work through. I mean, put yourself in my shoes. How would you feel? Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking, I remember at that time, I thought, you know what, if, if, if the good Lord decides to just take my life in the middle of my sleep, I would be okay with that because I did not know how I could face another day. I was never suicidal, but you can see where someone may misinterpret that. Yep. And if, if red flag laws had been in place in my state of Tennessee, even those with the best of intentions, could have an exaggerated concern and assume that, hey, we're going to act in her best interest and have her guns taken from her, that would be devastating. That would be trauma on top of trauma for a victim like me to be unable to protect myself after this stalker violated me in such a horrific and life-altering way. And I've got to tell you, Cam, he's going to be released in just seven years, which is terrifying for me. And if he comes after me someday... My gun may be the only thing that could save my life. Absolutely. But as you say, there could have been people with, again, good intentions, you know, who just wanted to to, to watch out for you. Uh, but those good intentions would have led to awful results uh, by, by disarming you, you know, supposedly for your own safety. I, I think what you talk about um, is a very, very valid concern. And again, it speaks to the fact that if somebody truly is a danger to themselves or others, taking their guns away and leaving them with pills, knives, matches, gasoline, whatever, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We should be addressing the individual. If somebody truly is in crisis, we need to get them help. We don't just need to try to disarm them and leave them on their own. That makes, that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Exactly. And I told, you know, the senators, I said, look, I believe the focus should really be on mental health services and mental health facilities in this country and education for the public, law enforcement, judges, prosecutors on enforcement and use of existing laws like the Baker Act, you know, and yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just told him, I said, look, you know, please don't forget compassion for good people who are going through a difficult time. Absolutely. I am so glad that you were able to, uh, to share your testimony uh, there on Capitol Hill, Nikki, as always, I think you uh, make some fantastic points. And I hope, I, I hope that red flag supporters, I know that the Republicans there on Capitol Hill, most of them probably agree with you wholeheartedly, but I hope that the Democrats who 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 have embraced the idea of red flag laws. I hope that they actually listened to what you have to say, because it's not that you don't care about people in crisis. Clearly you do. It's not that you're trying to minimize the issue. You, clearly you're not. 
but you're pointing out the flaws with this proposed solution. And you're pointing out a better, more effective way to get those individuals who truly are in crisis the help that they need. Now, you mentioned this um, POS who uh, who murdered your husband and the fact that he's going to he is scheduled to be released from prison seven years from now. That is earlier than what his sentence says. Right. Right. Unfortunately, he has been allowed to earn what they call early release good behavior credit. And I'm just floored by this because this man has been sending me twisted love letters from prison for years. And he's now been officially charged, um, you know, by the Fed for stalking uh, by mail from prison, which the max is five years in a federal prison. But um, I've been trying to get his early release credits revoked mm -hmm. for over a year now, and I have gotten nowhere. Yeah, it's I remember talking with you about this a early. few months ago, and and I was, I mean, honestly, I was hopeful that uh, you know that would sort of raise some attention to the issue, maybe put some pressure on state officials. This is again, I mean, this is unbelievable to me. You, this guy is facing federal charges right now for actions that he undertook behind bars to continue to try to stalk you, and yet. The state of Tennessee says, well, no, he's been a good boy behind bars, so we're going to let him out early. I mean, clearly, uh, that's not the case if the feds are charging him. If, if this guy's convicted at the federal level, do you think the state, can the state reconsider that decision? Can they revoke those good behavior credits if he's convicted of a federal charge for a crime he committed behind bars? I would certainly hope so. But if they don't, you can believe I'm going to be on every single news channel there is in the state of Tennessee talking about this because this is not good behavior. He should not be rewarded with early release. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'll testify as a character witness. I'll, I'll drive you to all these news stations if you need a ride, Nikki, uh, because this is this this angers me. Uh, and I'm a pretty even keeled guy. But I think what's happening with this case shows the, the flaws that we have in the criminal justice system. Uh, and this is, th this should be, frankly, this should be something that disgusts uh, every single lawmaker in the state of Tennessee, every DOC official in the state of Tennessee. Th this should not be allowed to stand. Uh, and I hope that it does not stand. But what is the, what's the latest on the, the federal charges against this guy? Do we know when there's going to be a trial? We don't know just yet. Uh, things have been kind of put on hold everywhere because of COVID. Yeah. I know that grand juries have been on hold for, you know, the past year. So the, we've already had the preliminary hearing and, you know, a judge found that there is probable cause. So it's moving forward, but grand juries are kind of held up right now. Um, so I don't know exactly when a trial is going to happen. Are you concerned that the uh, that the U.S. Attorney's Office may offer this guy a plea bargain? Um, I hope I hope they don't. Um, they know my feelings on this. Yeah. I I want this to go to trial. A lot of victims are intimidated and scared to face, you know, their attacker, their stalker. I'm not like, yeah, I'm terrified of this guy getting out of prison, but. I will do whatever is necessary. I will face him in court to make sure that he stays locked up for as long as possible.
Well, listen, you know you've got the Second Amendment community on your side as well, Nikki. Uh, and anything that we can do here at Bearing Arms to uh, help spread the word about this case as it moves forward, you let us know, okay? Okay, thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, Nicole Gozer joining us, the uh, executive director of the Crime Prevention Research Center, talking about uh, red flag legislation and her latest case here on uh, Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. It's always good talking with Nikki, and I really hope that those federal charges are uh, pursued here so that the man who uh, robbed her of her husband and uh, robbed Ben Gozer of his life is behind bars for as long as possible. Now, let's turn our attention to uh, today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report, speaking of people not being behind bars for as long as they should be. A uh, case out of Florida. Uh, here's the headline from WFTV. Records detail the past criminal history of a 17-year-old accused of killing a mother in Orange County, Florida, in her driveway. Jaquarius Sintel McRae is facing charges of first-degree murder with a firearm and attempted first-degree murder with a firearm as well. According to WFTV, um, they say that it was DNA that helped link McRae to this case. They haven't talked uh, about a lot of specifics with this case. They do say that two men followed Roxana Sanchez to her home and then shot her in her driveway back on May the 8th. Surveillance video shows a car following Sanchez and a friend as they entered the Subdivision just after 1230 in the morning. Investigators say that uh, Sanchez and her friend had been out shopping earlier that evening. Two guys jump out of the car, shoot Sanchez in what uh, police are calling a botched carjacking. And Sanchez later died at a local hospital. Detectives still looking for a second suspect. But when it comes to McRae, police say that he has a criminal history going back five years to the age of 13. According to an arrest affidavit, McRae was arrested for armed burglary and other charges after detectives say that he and two others broke into a home and stole guns and cash while the homeowner slept. This was just last year, in 2020. Uh, court records show that McRae was released from jail in March of this year, and he was placed on conditional release after the, uh, after the court declared him incompetent for trial. What on earth here? If you're too incompetent to stand trial, again, shouldn't you be in some sort of secure facility? Instead of being returned to the streets, he's not competent to stand trial, so let's just let him go. Oh, no, no, we'll put some conditions on him. Yeah, he had a uh, curfew from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. that he clearly defied. He wasn't supposed to have any contact with the victim in that uh, armed burglary or his co-defendants. Uh, according to documents, he was also involved with four other cases dating back to 2016 on probation for all of those incidents until his 19th birthday. And so here you have a guy who, just a couple of months ago, released from jail in an armed burglary case. The authorities said, well, he's, he's not competent to stand trial, so let's put him back onto the streets. And now here we are, just a few months later, and uh, he is facing first-degree murder charges. Jaquarius Sintel McRae, our uh, recidivist report subject from uh, Florida today. Uh, our armed citizen story from California, Cathedral City, California, where an 85-year-old able to protect himself and his wife after an intruder entered their home and threatened the residents. The uh, suspect's name not been released by police yet, but he allegedly made threats against the lives of these elderly homeowners. 
And that is what prompted the 85-year-old homeowner to grab his firearm and shoot the suspect once in the upper body. The homeowners were not injured, which I'm guessing may have been a very different story had they not been able to protect themselves with a firearm. These, again, an elderly couple. The suspect, not 85 years old. And uh, likely, you know, could have taken them in a physical fight. But thankfully, the 85-year-old homeowner was able to protect himself and his wife because he did have a firearm. Uh, first responders transported the suspect to a uh, hospital in Palm Springs. He's uh, listed at last report in a stable condition in intensive care. And again, the uh, homeowners in this case not expecting to face any charges whatsoever. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Covington, Georgia. A police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a toddler who was choking. Adrian Tovar is that uh, toddler. And Officer Matt Holbrook, you see him there with Adrian, uh, the officer in the right place and uh, able to uh, 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 save Adrian Tovar's life. This all happened back on May the 2nd. Holbrook uh, got a call about a cardiac arrest. Uh, he was the uh, closest responding officer. He has advanced medical training. He was the first on scene. Said he could tell that the 15-year-old was struggling to breathe. So he said, I grabbed him. I started doing back blows to him. And after the third blow, he looked up and he started breathing. Medics took him to a local hospital. He was released the next day. A few days later, a thank you note arrived at the Covington Police Headquarters. Uh, and uh, Holbrook said the family was very grateful, not only to me, but to all the first responders, the fire department, the EMS. He says, it's nice to be in a community that has your back. And it's always a good feeling when you do something that actually helps somebody. And you get to see the after effect, because a lot of times we don't get to see that. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it is a very nice gesture for the family to uh, uh, send that thank you note to Officer Matt Holbrook. And uh, Officer Matt Holbrook, congratulations, sir, because you're just a couple months away from becoming a father yourself. Uh, Officer Holbrook's first child due in July. Sounds like he's got a, a pretty good dad welcoming him into the world. Uh, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Do want to let you know, however, however, I would be remiss if I did not say anything before we go, uh, that if you just can't get enough of Second Amendment news and information, well, you can become a VIP subscriber at BearingArms.com. All you have to do is go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe, and uh, you can enter the promo code guns and you'll get 25% off of your VIP membership. Now that VIP membership not only helps us do shows like this every day, uh, but it also allows you access to uh, commentary analysis and more that is not available uh, to uh, the average reader. So it is our way of saying thanks for supporting our mission here at bearingarms.com. Again, all you got to do is go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code guns. Don't forget as well, you can also subscribe on uh, Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss one of these programs. Or if you like Rumble.com, I know a lot of folks do, you can check us out there as well. You can also find Barry and Arms Cam and Company on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and the townhall.com podcast page. Too many places for one breath, even. We do want to make sure that you have access to the latest Second Amendment news and information. Yeah, that's why you can check out the website throughout the day as well. We will be back tomorrow with more of the latest news about your right to keep and bear arms and both the threats to them as well as Second Amendment success stories. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. 